The B-Rad Podcast is brought to you by MoFo, male optimization formula with organs to boost testosterone. Brad's Macadamia Masterpiece, mind-blowing nut butter blend now available on Amazon. Bala Enzyme, electrolyte and triple enzyme recovery drink mix. Paleo Valley, nutrient-rich ancestral-inspired health products. By Optimizers, performance supplements like magnesium, probiotics, and more. And B-Rad Whey Protein Super Fuel, coming soon. Stay tuned for details. And please visit bradkearns.com to check out my personal selection of favorite products for health, fitness, and peak performance with great discounts for listeners. And here we go with the show. It's really hard to find a completely happy person. You know, that what's the Sinatra song? Riding high in April, shot down in May. Whether either one of those things are happening, you're still happy. When you're living this pathetic existence, you've also been programmed to blame yourself for it. Oh, look at me. It's, I'm, I'm the one who's pathetic. And so, which only only deepens the, the wiring that triggers the negative emotional reactions to yourself and to the world around you. I thought, because of what had happened, that my heart would stay closed the rest of my life, that I would never trust anything any person or any situation to love again. Hey listeners, I want to tell you about an interesting product from Paleo Valley, apple cider vinegar capsules. This product allows you to enjoy all the healing properties of apple cider vinegar in your daily diet without the hassle or the burning that comes when you try to swallow it directly. And the healing properties are many. They're well-validated. You've probably heard how apple cider vinegar helps with blood glucose control, breaking down amino acids for better absorption, and general digestive health and nutrient assimilation. The Paleo Valley Apple Cider Vinegar Complex adds other healing spices like turmeric, ginger, cinnamon, and lemon for more digestive health. As a whole, this formulation has a lot of research-backed validation that you'll improve blood pressure, cardiovascular health, and disease prevention, and profound benefits for insulin sensitivity, satiety and hunger management, glucose regulation, and fat metabolism. The apple cider vinegar complex is a great idea to take when you're traveling and eating different foods, giving your digestive system the boost it needs. Everything in the bottle is organic, and the formula has been carefully fermented into potent acetic acid, which confers the aforementioned health benefits. Why don't you try some? Go to paleovalley.com and take that 15% discount with the code BRAD15. Hey, listeners. Stop fixing yourself. That's right. Everything is okay. Wake up. All is well. And we are about to enjoy a very awesome interview with Don Goey. He is the executive director of the Center for Spiritual Exchange, the official archive for the works of Anthony DeMello. He's the editor of a new book 
entitled Stop Fixing Yourself, Wake Up All Is Well. And he also wrote The End of Stress, Four Steps to Rewire Your Brain. And we are going to talk in this show exactly how to rewire your brain against fear, anxiety, anger, depression, a feeling of emptiness, all these things that we complain about and are so prevalent in hectic, high-stress modern life. It's a beautiful conversation. I'm never going to forget some of these insights. He presents them so beautifully. So buckle your seatbelt because this is really awesome stuff. And boy, if you need to get drawn in, he is going to start out with a riveting story where he describes his life falling apart in every Every way, just the very bottom and facing life or death circumstances up ahead. And this was the time that he chose to come to a spiritual awakening that kind of led him down uh, his path and, and doing this great work in what he calls uh, psycho spirituality. And he offers a psycho spiritual model for rewiring the brain to extinguish stress reactions and amplify the higher brain function that enables a human being to flourish. Uh, you're going to hear him talk about DeMello a lot, the, the center that he works with. And Anthony DeMello uh, was a Indian Jesuit priest and psychotherapist, spiritual teacher, writer, public speaker of great renown in the spiritual community. And um, boy, uh, Don is going to walk us right through it. And so you're going to get some really great practical takeaways. And I just want to give you a sneak preview and kind of compile uh, some of the conversation that ran for the duration of the of the podcast. Um, and so the, the rewiring process, what will happen is you will discover your childlike spirit, your happiness that's inside you at all times, but it's just been covered up by our negative programming. And we have entire shows on that with Dr. Bruce Lipton, how this uh, programming that we received largely in childhood, these tapes that were running and operating on an unconscious level throughout the day and reacting to all these stressors and uh, things that cause us to get upset and not have a perfect day, um, it's time to unwind that and let things go. Uh, but in a very uh, precise and methodical way that's going to make a lot of sense even to the naysayers. And guess what? I did do some uh, devil's advocate questioning here because you can hear those uh, opposing voices opposing voices come up and then the, um, uh, the knee-jerk reaction is, oh, great, yeah, why don't I just sit on the beach all day and uh, tell myself that everything is fine in life when I'm dealing with uh, a business or personal crisis. And so he makes a good point of saying, look, this is not about disengaging from the material world, disavowing your uh, your, your com- competitive spirit and uh, the everyday things that you're trying to do. It's just about controlling uh, the response and rewiring your brain. And so it starts with step number one is awareness. And so you want to take notice of all these things that trigger you. And it's the uh, political environment in the United States these days, or uh, the crisis over there in uh, Russia and Ukraine, or the uh, the way that COVID's being handled and how you um, uh, you have a different opinion than the leaders. And that's so frustrating. So just being aware uh, rather than being on autopilot and just going through the day in a reactive mode. And then once you uh, grasp this awareness, harness it, you also want to realize with step two that everything's inside of you. It's not reality. It's what you make of it. Your perception is what creates your reality. Step three is don't identify with your negative thoughts, emotions. It's not you. It's just you having these thoughts. Uh, so that's a big one to step back, uh, look at yourself from the 30,000 foot view, whatever you want to describe it. You must embrace these thoughts. It's okay to have them. 
It's okay to feel angry, depressed, scared, whatever, uh, but they don't run the show. You're just aware of them without judgment. And then you can go to step four, which is the realization that everything shall pass, this too shall pass. And so that process, working through that and doing it uh, with repetition, is going to successfully rewire your brain. There's plenty of research, and he mentioned some of the research and uh, his involvement with Stanford University Medical School Psychiatry Department. A great show. You're going to get some memorable insights, potentially life-changing insights. So please enjoy Don Goey, Executive Director of the Center for Spiritual Exchange. Don Goey, thank you so much for joining me. You wrote a very compelling message. I can't wait to uh, to get into your, your amazing life's work, especially uh, the new book that's out that you edited called Stop Fixing Yourself, Wake Up all is well. So why don't you uh, introduce yourself and and talk about some of this really interesting work, and we're going to talk about rewiring our brains and all kinds of fun stuff. Yeah. Well, in terms of me, um, you know, how I came into this work, this work that I call, it's basically a field called psychospirituality, you know, with this day and age. Um, spirituality. And when I say spirituality, I'm talking about a practical spirituality, living from spiritual values, spiritual principles, not necessarily religion, but not at the exclusion of that either. Well, spirituality, neuroscience, and psychology are all on the same page, finally. They always, uh, it always seems in the past, they, they bumped heads. And uh, I came into this, it's now begun to be called this the the field of psycho spirituality and and I came into it the hard way you know I came into this work um, off of uh, out of a perfect storm of stress that I underwent years ago I um, I was an executive in a high level position at Stanford University Medical School and I lost that job um, and it was quite a crisis because you know I devoted a decade climbing the career ladder to to reach that position. And, and then nine days after that, I was diagnosed with a brain tumor that the doctors warned, you know, was going to leave me pretty disabled and even potentially unable to work again. And I was married had four kids uh, and my marriage was in trouble. You know, it, I, I spent so much time devoted on my career and uh, not enough time devoted to family. At, at least at that point. So suddenly, you know, my life was coming apart at the seams and it seemed there was nothing I could do to stop the catastrophe. And uh, one of the things that uh, worked in my favor, I certainly didn't feel like it at the time, was that I had to wait six weeks for surgery. And, um, you know, six weeks sitting around wondering what's going to happen with something like brain surgery uh, generates quite a bit of rumination. And and it certainly did in me. And the first two weeks of that process were just emotionally, it was just pure emotional turmoil. Every night, you know, I'd wake up at three in the morning, I'd stare out the window into the cold, dark night, terrified by what was going to happen to me and my family. The prospects of homelessness loomed quite large, you know. And then one night I reached the point and that in those dark nights of the soul where I, you know, I just seriously questioned what was worse, all the dire 
problems, the doctors predicted that my ruminations uh, were making worse or imagining even worse outcomes, um, or, or the abject fear that was happening in me every day, all day long for the last couple of weeks. And the answer was really clear. You know, the fear was work, the bone chilling fear that was going on inside of me that I was experiencing. It was consuming me and it was depleting the strength I knew I needed to get through this ordeal. Um, and so then for the next half hour, I used a process I'd learned from a famous American psychologist I'd worked with and actually a process I taught other people, but I'd never used much, uh, actually never used it all on myself up until that point. And it, it was pretty simple. Um, it involved really being diligently aware of every fearful, painful thing that I thought. And to be and to watch how that turned into the emotional upset, emotional distress stress I was experiencing, and and to see to see how they were joined at the hip, um, and then to be willing to feel it, to feel the the pain that it was generating, the upset, the stress uh, it was generating, the pessimism, the narrowing of my perspective it was generating, to observe it all, to allow it all, to embrace it. Um, and seeing it as this is not necessarily in reality, this picture, this, this upset that this picture that I'm painting is, is, is painting me into, um, it's not necessarily in reality. It's in me far more than it is in reality. Um, and I, I did that. And the, the idea was that as you owned it, as you embraced it and owned it, it would eventually pass. Everything passes in this world, that's for sure. You live long enough, you realize that. And especially emotions, emotional upsets. You know, the emotional upset you may have had that was uh, large last week, oftentimes you can't even remember this week. And so as I did that, to my amazement, I began to see that it, it worked, that when I embraced the pain, it passed. And I experienced this moment where the air cleared. It's almost like, you know, when you're underwater, you come up for air. Um, I experienced relief. And then, of course, you know, the ruminating would begin again. And I would be pretty soon I painted myself back into that corner. And so I worked my way out of it using this awareness process until after, I don't know, maybe an hour of doing this. Um, I kind of reached a, a summit where. Uh, I everything sort of leveled out and I was calm and the calm didn't leave me. Like, you know, kind of I, I, I was able to settle into it and I knew that that, that it uh, was real, <laughs> that I had shifted from fear to peace because when I looked out that window in which I saw, you know, the cold, dark night looming over my future about to suck me into his black hole. hole I didn't see that this this time. What I saw was the moonlight. It was a moonlit night, and it was shimmering on this beautiful old oak tree that fronted our property. Uh, and it really had this feeling of, of life being sacred, of the beauty of life. You know, suddenly here I am uh, looking at the same, very same picture, but seeing the feeling the sacredness of it and the sacredness of life. And I could feel this sense of optimism emerging in me. And so I made up my mind right then, then and there that as I proceeded towards 
brain surgery. I uh, was going to let go of fear every time it raised this ugly head, let go of stress every time it took over in this way, in this very simple way. And certainly during that period of time, um, I had lots of uh, emotional upsets that came and went, but I, I got to a point where I could shift out of them at the point of inception. At the moment I began mm. to paint this picture, I would look at it and, and I it was almost as if I go, do you really want to experience that illusion, that mind-main delusion? And my answer was no. And it dropped, began to drop. And, you know, one of the things I had to do in my new, as I was leaving my old job was to finish up some projects. It, it was one way they, you know, they had a, my golden parachute, uh -huh. they had a carrot attached to it. And if you finish up these projects, you know, we'll sweeten it even more. So I went back to work and um, I was a completely different person at, at work. You know, I'm, I was a, uh, very, I used to be very competitive, very aggressive, very, very much into succeeding, being sure I succeeded in what I was doing. And um, I was, was more, I had a broader perspective. And I had this clarity of I would look at these things I had to accomplish. And um, I could under I could, I could ferret out what it is I knew I could accomplish what it is I wouldn't get to. And I prioritized what I could get to and did it well. There were people in my department at the time who previously I thought were my enemies. And I was able to see that that was just another mind-made illusion that I was projecting for my own fear. And, um, and then I reported for, for surgery. And uh, the surgery was a complete success. Actually, the surgeon, um, you know, made, he got laurels for the great job that he had done. And, uh, and I actually even got my job back. I didn't get that job that I left. Uh, I got another job that it was in another department, Department of Psychiatry, where the chairman had heard about this guy facing this calamity who came back to work, a changed man with a, with a wonderful attitude. And, and he, he called me up, called me up a few days before I was going into surgery. And he said, I want to offer you a job and uh, we need this kind of attitude in this godforsaken department and it all worked out. And, you know, if I had talked to it, this is back in the eighties, late eighties. And if I had talked to a neuroscientist at that time and said, do you think this shift in mindset, this shift in attitude that I underwent, went, I was responsible for the, the wonderful outcome medically that occurred. They would have told me, I am certain they would have told me that it was just hippie nonsense. I was spouting. Today, that mind-body con connection, it's not even theoretical anymore. It's definitively established. Is that, uh, And we do know now through, through the, the breakthroughs we've had with, uh, in neuroscience is that um, everything depends, everything in your life, the quality of your life experience, the quality of your, the success that you have in your life all depends on your brain and, and, the, and, the, um, and how well your brain functions. And all of that depends on how well your mind functions. And uh, what the science has found is that these spiritual principles that we've all been taught to be at peace, to be loving and empathic, uh, to allow yourself to feel connected, to forgive, uh, to be open and honest, to embrace what, it, what there is there to be embraced, 
to learn how to let go of fear. Those are spiritual principles, and those spiritual principles, when practiced, have a dramatic and profound impact on your brain. It can rewire a brain that society and past traumas has wired to for a knee-jerk stress reaction at the site of a, any kind of problem. It can rewire those circuits that take over and shift your experience to the higher order brain functions that allow you to be positive and creative and loving and um, and see your problems as challenges and use your your creative and 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 fluid intelligence to work your way through to a solution. Um, that's how powerful uh, our mindset can be. And so I eventually left Stanford. Um, I wanted to do work in uh, in this in this spiritual domain, and I ended up at the Center for Attitudinal Healing, which had a had a huge impact internationally. Um, it came up with an approach to dealing with catastrophic life events, uh, people dealing with uh, uh, life-threatening illnesses, parents who had lost children, men serving life sentences in prison. We even were sent by the Clinton administration into Croatia and Bosnia during that genocidal war to work with people experiencing severe post-traumatic stress. And um, and in 2005, I believe it was 2005, the center won the Excellence in Medicine Award from the American Medical Association. Uh, and then eventually I took what I'd learned from the center and its approach and applied it to the workplace and went into corporations and began to um, help people learn to be in those high pressure work environments and to remain uh, to remain calm and creative and uh, positive as they face whatever they had to face and to bring about a balance of work and life so that the person that comes home at the end of the day uh, to to you know spouse and children or whoever's at home is the person that the people at home are hoping shows up instead of somebody who's uh, stressed and shame-based and fear-based. We can make make a shift out of that. And um, I did that for quite a long while. And then I was offered this position at the DeMello Spirituality Center um, to work with the work of Anthony DeMello, um, who had a profound in, impact on, on spirituality generally. Um, not only in this country, but throughout the world. He has a huge influence on people like Eckhart Tolle. And, uh, and he, his approach is awareness-centered. And by awareness-centered, I mean a process in which instead of resisting, suppressing, repressing um, the negativity, the negative emotional states, the negative mental states, that you tend to habituate to embrace them and embrace them in the way that, that I worked with it, that, that uh, dark night of the soul evening. And, uh, and out of that, what DeMello says is that uh, awareness will release reality, which uh, he, he, called, he defines as the kingdom of joy, the very kingdom of joy that, that Jesus talked about, that awareness releases reality to change you. And through grace, you change. Uh, you begin to drop the old programming, uh, and he 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 uh, laid out a very um, simple system for us to understand that uh, we're okay. You know, we um, we're not broken. There's nothing wrong with us. 
uh, we've been we've been programmed by society. Our society stamped into us a belief that our happiness, our self-worth are found out there in the world. And, you know, if we work hard and long enough, success will come. And out of that happiness and fulfillment will follow. And then, you know, people like me and psychotherapists make a lot of money when we get to midlife and we discover that, you know, we've had success to whatever degree and happiness and fulfillment still eludes us. And so DeMello has a way of, of addressing that. Ooh, what a story. And my first uh, thing that really stuck was the stakes were so high for you. You're facing brain surgery, your life's falling apart. And I'm wondering, you know, it's seemingly easier to let things go when you're stressing about a traffic jam or the, uh, the overdue balance on your credit card, you know, low stakes thing. But you know, we've heard this, we've all heard, and we've all been instructed to, um, you know, to, to, to rise to a higher mindset, but we, we seem to get stuck in ruts. Uh, but in your case, the stakes were so high. I wonder if that was really a catalyst for transformation because things were so desperate. Well, I've often thought of it, that, 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 uh, that puts me in a good light. I like that. I've often thought that I was so stubbornly entrenched in uh, living my life in the way in a in a fearful way, you know, one of the things I discovered at the end of that whole process is, I I was shocked at how much fear I was running. I was shocked at, at how much I thought fear actually protected me. Hmm. I was shocked at how much I was projecting my fear uh, onto to attacks on other people. Um, th- Without ever really investigating whether whether what I was thinking was even correct, you know, and discovering that I misperceived everything. The other thing I began to discover back then was that so many of the things that I thought were working against me weren't working against me at all. Mm. There were I was misperceiving people and events. It was making me throwing me into attack and defense mode, and um, and yet if you were to look at me back then, what you would probably assess me as is a person who was had his trip together, a guy who was successful, a guy who was uh, competitive, a guy who was a winner, all of those things, you know, in America that we place so much value on. And um, this, it took a brain tumor to, <laughs> for, to, to break the glass so that I could finally let some air in and look and realize like this is no way to to live a life and this is Mm. no way to to find your way back and make a return back to love i'm pleased to present b-rad grass-fed whey protein isolate super fuel the absolute highest quality all-natural protein supplement infused with creatine that delivers everything you need to optimize your appetite for fat loss, recover quickly from workouts, and build and maintain lean muscle mass, the single most important attribute for aging gracefully. Our protein comes directly from small family farms in America's dairy land of Wisconsin. It's cold processed and micro-filtered for maximum bioavailability and digestibility. So please, 
Don't mess with the many cheap commodity protein supplements that are ineffective, inferior, less pure, and often contain junk sweeteners, especially the plant-based offerings that are vastly less bioavailable than the gold standard of protein supplements that's whey protein isolate. Whether you're in your peak athletic years looking to grow and recover or in the older age groups trying to delay aging and decline, whey and creatine are widely agreed to be the most critical and effective supplements to take for the rest of your life. You can easily stir the superfuel in water or make a delicious smoothie every day. I'm certain that you're going to love the pleasant, light, natural vanilla bean and cocoa bean flavors. So try some on Amazon today. It's a huge hit with dozens of five-star reviews. Or you can order direct from bradnutrition.com with our buy three, get one free, and make the super fuel a centerpiece of your daily routine. Hey man, how's your sexual function? Oh, uncomfortable talking about it? Look, we talk about our injured knees, our belly fat, so it's time to get focused on function. I want to tell you about Gaines Wave. This is a cutting-edge protocol where a handheld device sends low-intensity shock waves into your penile blood vessels to stimulate a healing response and promote increased blood circulation and the growth of new blood vessels. A skilled practitioner puts the Gaines Wave magic wand onto your magic wand, and after a series of 6 to 12 very brief treatments, which are painless but extremely effective, you get real results. Gaines Wave reports an 80% success rate. Now, we know that popping pills is a popular penile protocol, but when you're working with clogged pipes, you just get a temporary Band-Aid effect when you take prescription drugs. Gaines Wave addresses the cause of age-related decline by stimulating growth factors and activating dormant stem cells. Translation, stronger, harder, more sustainable erections. I learned about Gainsway from my podcast guest, Dr. Judson Brandeis at the Brandeis MD Clinic in Northern California, and there's a robust network of Gainsway providers that you can find on their website near you. Complete a series of treatments, and the beneficial effects will last for a long time, especially if you eat and exercise well to promote overall vascular health. It's a tune-up for your equipment, and while it's great for ED, Gaines Wave is for any man that wants to combat the effects of aging and get a little boost for your A-game. So please visit GainesWave.com slash Brad. That's G-A-I-N-S-W-A-V-E dot com slash B-R-A-D to find a practitioner in your area, and you can take advantage of my special promotion, buy six treatments, and get one free. You have nothing to lose and lots to gain from gainswave.com slash Brad. Yeah, I guess we'll make know, it this way. We have to uh, create this energy for competitive intensity. And I think we're trained in society to, um, to put up those defenses and, and grow that chip on our shoulder from traditional athletic coaching model in particular. And I always laugh, even today, you see the, the great leading sports figures and they'll give an interview and they'll say, yeah, you know, we were, uh, we were disrespected all over the league and we're not going to take it anymore. And it's like, are you kidding me? But by whom? I mean, what, what are you talking about? Or, you know, the Olympic gold medalist comes back and, and defends his or her title and says, you know, everyone wrote me off uh, before this Olympics and I wanted to prove uh, something to everyone. And it's like, uh, it seems so manufactured and it works at a certain level. But I think that's really important. What you mentioned is that 
here you are, you're the successful guy, you're climbing the corporate ladder, you make a good living, uh, but you found that sense of emptiness because what had driven you, all those uh, success factors that you leveraged to, to rise to the top of your profession didn't really serve to make you happy, fulfilled, content. Exactly. Exactly correct. And um, we, don't, we don't recognize that we're, we're, the way we are functioning is, is out of that kind of programming. We've been programmed into that. And the, the, the core of that programming is to find your validation, find your worth out, outside of yourself, out there in the world. You know, it's and it comes at the expense of your happiness because your happiness isn't out there in the world. It's in you. And it's really hard to find a completely happy person, somebody that meets that definition. That is whether, you know, life is up or down, you know, that what's a Sinatra song riding high in April, shot down in May, whether either one of those things are happening, you're still happy. Your happiness is not at stake, whether uh, you can't pay your your credit card bill or whether you're, you're, you perceive yourself as too much in debt or whether you, you're sick. Uh, your happiness doesn't depend on what's going on outside. It depends on your heart. And so, the, you know, the irony is, is that we're born happy. You know, when science mm-hmm. wants to take a look at what, what, what is human nature, they look at children. They look at it before it's been contaminated by all the socialization and programming that happens to a human being as they move through family and church and school and then out into the world. And what they find with children, they're naturally happy. I think it's what Jesus meant when he said, not unto you are as, as, as little children will you enter the kingdom of heaven. Um, I, I just spent a, a week with my grandchildren. I just marvel at how how happy, how naturally happy they are, how easy it is to make them happy. Even when, you know, when they have little moments where they break down, they bounce back Mm -hmm. really fast. They're resilient. So we're born happy, but we've become trapped uh, in believing that we can't be happy unless or until something in the outside world occurs. We're born free, but we've been, we've become trapped in limited thinking. We're born with, with an open heart that stress and fear so so easily close. We're born gifted. We're gifted beings of immeasurable worth, but we often feel we're not get good enough. We, we're often ashamed. And there's this divinity of joy, which, which uh, all the mystics de- describe, define as reality. You know, this rat race world we live in. We, my stepfather used to say, wait till you get out in the real world. You know, well, the... You listen to the, you know, he's, t- he's talking about the dog-eat-dog world. Well, it's not reality at all to the mystics, to the holy men, the divinity of joy that, that we're blind to, that surrounds us, they define as reality. It's there to make our lives meaningful and rich. But it's as if, you know, we've all been hypnotized through our programming, through our socialization, to literally not uh, see what is there. Mm. Um, and 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 to see what's not there, you know, it's it's really weird. Like we we see this threatening world. We've been programmed to see a threatening world, and to respond mm-hmm. to it aggressively, and it, and and define it as reality, when in fact what we're not seeing because of that is this divinity of joy within us and surrounding us. Mm-hmm. And so that's what Demello's point of view is, especially in this book. Stop fixing yourself. Is well, how do you get back there? How do you deprogram yourself? 
Um, <laughs> Stop uh, scrolling on social media, watching the uh, network news, this, uh, this you know, lowest common denominator programming that's playing upon our fears, I guess, would be one start, right? Yes, it's definitely a good start. But it's, I think, I think it's coming to the essential or fundamental understanding that um, how society has programmed that joy, um, that happiness, that innate fulfillment that through which you were born to live, how it's programmed it out of you, stamping into you the belief that, you know, your happiness and your self-worth are found out there in the world. And again, you know, if you work hard and long enough, that success will come. And we've all swallowed that formula. Mm. And then, you know, somewhere down the road, we realize that we've succeeded, but it's come without fulfillment. And that's failing at life. Uh, Tony Robbins says success without fulfillment is the ultimate failure. Mm. And it took him a lot of years of, of coaching people to succeed, 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 until he finally realized that uh, these millionaires that he was coaching uh, were unfulfilled people, very unhappy people, that it didn't come from their, their happiness. The happiness didn't come from success. And there's nothing wrong with it, succeeding. But waking up is a realization that contrary to what society has taught us, nothing but absolutely nothing of the world makes us happy. And success, of course, is important, but success is not fulfillment. Fulfillment doesn't come from the world. Happiness doesn't come from the world. Not that radiant happiness of a child that's constant, that makes you smile for no reason. That happiness comes from within you. And the truth is, there's not a single moment in our life uh, when we don't have all we need to be happy. That's waking up mm. when we see that. And it's waking up when we understand that the only reason we're ever unhappy is because we've been using our time to focus on what we don't have mm. rather than on what we have right here, right now. And, uh, you know, when I work with people, I invite them to take out a blank piece of paper and at the top of it to write, I cannot be happy unless or until. And so people start writing. And it's interesting because they, they fill the paper up pretty fast with lots of things. Mm. I can't be happy until I'm out of debt. I can't be happy until my boss appreciates me. I can't be happy until my spouse agrees that I'm right and he or she's wrong. You know, I can't be happy until I get that car. I can't be happy until my kids get into a great school. Mm. I mean, the list is endless. And, and, and when you look it over, um, if, if, and if you understand my whole life, but the happiness that, that I was born to live from is being put on hold based on this belief system that has been stamped into me. And until, until I understand it's a false set of beliefs, until I begin to understand that the truth is that there is not a single moment of a life when you don't have everything you need to be happy and fulfilled, um, until, until you understand that, uh, you're, you're lost. You know, here you are, happy, happy and you don't even know it. Here you are at peace, deeply at peace within yourself, um, innately at peace. You don't even know it. Here you are already enlightened. You can't even see it can't even experience it because it's overlaid with this with this belief system that's blocking your capacity to see and so it means you know what 
stop fixing yourself means is that fundamentally, essentially, you're not broken. You're not some problem to be solved. You're okay. And if there's a problem, it's the way we were programmed with these beliefs. And, and, you know, that belief without something or some person or some result, we cannot be, be happy. That's, that's what in Buddhism is called an attachment. Mm-hmm. And it, as we begin to understand that we are attaching ourselves to, to things and outcomes and people on the basis, uh, on the belief that, you know, without that, we can't be happy, that, uh, that we're actually generating the unhappiness that we're experiencing. Because it's a false belief. Belief we don't acquire or earn it. We have it already. So drop the false beliefs, make mm-hmm. that list and look at them really honestly. And at first, you know, it, people have an experience. It's sort of like you could almost see their mind is operating. If you could hear the sound of their mind, it sound, would sound like Velcro. You know, when you pull Velcro apart, it kind of crunches. It right. We're holding has, on so tightly to our programming. And we look all around us and we see examples of the same with everyone in our world. Um, and I'm I'm curious, you know, you, you I can I can understand the naysayer forming their rebuttal right now. Um, Don, you don't understand uh, my, you know, I'm behind on my payments. I'm facing real world problems. Uh, my my children are in pain and suffering, and that creates great suffering in the parent. Um, and so, how the heck am I supposed to let go and listen to the Buddha and not be attached to anything? Hey, listeners, I discovered an awesome new electrolyte and triple enzyme powdered drink that's going to knock your socks off. It's called Bala Enzyme, and it comes in a convenient little pouch of bright orange powder that you pour into water for the ultimate electrolyte and antioxidant drink. It's simple, convenient, and yes, the orange tint comes from a potent serving of turmeric along with a clean and diverse assortment of enzymes and electrolytes and a perfect taste that's not fake or too sweet. Bala was created by husband and wife doctors to help their patients recover from inflammation, improve hydration, speed up recovery, even relieve joint pain, improve digestion, and boost immunity. I love their incredible devotion to product quality. There's a lot of research behind it. And I just sprinkle this packet into ice water and it's so easy to stay hydrated because you absolutely enjoy the taste of the drink. Get their convenient little packets. They even designed it with the uh, the tear half torn so it's easy to open into the water. I love what they think of. And it comes in three exciting flavors, pineapple, lime, and berry. It's so potent, it might stain your fingers if you get it on your fingers. And yes, that's a good thing for a serving of turmeric that's that potent. It's also sugar-free, zero-carb, and promoting of the three R's. Rehydrate, relieve, and revive. Please visit balaenzyme.com, B-A-L-A-E-N-Z-Y-M-E. And of course, there's a special deal for BRAD Podcast listeners. 30% off your first order. Just use the code BRAD30 at balaenzyme.com. Well, I, you know, what I would, would uh, invite that person to do is either work with themselves or work with somebody to take a look at the way but really an honest look at the way you've been put together and the way you function based on the belief system that's been ingrained into you. <clears throat> Excuse me. And you're going to find as you do that, um, non-judgmentally, quietly through awareness, you're going to find that inside your brain, there's this whole program 
and it's wired into your brain. Um, it it uh, it operates uh, oftentimes without without your awareness, without without even your permission, and it consists of a set of demands about uh, how the world should be, uh, <laughs> how you should be, and what you should want, and it's making you miserable, uh-huh. and it's it, and it's imperiously insisting that its demands be met by life and by people and by you. I've, uh, I've worked with people who, um, who, were, who were dying and were dying um, incredibly uh, from an incredibly difficult illness, made, made my illness pale by comparison, and um, having great difficulty uh, even being able to afford the drugs that they needed because the illness took away their career. And uh, I, w- I, was, I ran support groups with people like that. And I would watch these people come in. Um, it was a Thursday night group at the Center for Attitudinal Healing. And these people would come in. There usually be 20 or 30. Um, and along with them would come their, their, their either a close friend or a loved one who would go off into a group uh, to deal with their grief and the stress that they're experiencing over, over their loved one's illness. And in these groups, you'd watch these people come into the center and they'd be dragging, you know, uh, they probably had a rough day of treatments or mm. a rough day of um, rough day with their illness. And they would come into the group and they would begin to open up. We would always open up by reading uh, some spiritual principles and they would share with one another. And, um, and they would, and, and no one was really feeling sorry for themselves. Um, they were really working with, they, they had done a good job of facing the very thing that I'm talking about, looking at the way they'd been programmed to function in the, in the face of adversity and the false beliefs that were, that, that were challenging them, that, 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 were, that were costing them um, any, any hope for peace. And through the course of that group, um, they they came alive every single time. Everybody in that group would come alive. And um, they were really loving with each other, empathic with each other. Uh, they laughed with each other. Uh, they laughed at each other's, even at each other's perils. And at the end of the group, they would leave changed people. You know, they would, there was spring in their step when they left. And they would all talk about uh, they got their batteries recharged to get them through another week. Mm. And um, they were incredible teachers of peace. They were incredible teachers of what is inside of us, the, the power that's inside of us, that when we wake up to it, the huge difference it can make no matter what circumstances we're in. Um, but, you know, we're, we're all programmed with this stuff. And it is all these demands that our programming makes of us. Um, and if the, you know, and we're programmed, if these demands about who we are supposed to be and what we're supposed to achieve and what we should want and how should people should be with us, you know, if, and when those demands aren't met, even though it's no fault of ours, how our brain just automatically starts generating negative mm. emotions. Yeah. I can't believe reactions. everyone doesn't, doesn't vote exactly the same as I. Or, or feel the exactly the same about the global pandemic and how to handle it. It's ridiculous. It's infuriating. <laughs> it's exactly right. And then how much of uh, how much of uh, you've been programmed into shame? 
into feeling not good enough. Well, and so what you end up doing with shame is you end up hiding yourself from the world. So you hide from the world that you're in debt and you, and you suffer in shame from it. Um, there, you can actually be in debt and be working to resolve it. At, and at the same time, having the attitude, so what? Doesn't have to cost me my happiness. Right. But what you end up discovering as you really take a close look at the way you've been put together and the way you, the way that causes you to function, you begin to understand you've been trained to upset yourself. So like what you and I were talking about, when other people don't live up to your brain, your program's expectation, it torments you with frustration and anger and bitterness. And, and when things aren't under your control, like, you know, the, the description you gave of the person of, you don't understand, I'm in debt, my, you know, my kids are in trouble, all of that kind of thing, those situations that you don't control, probably never will control, or the future feels uncertain in some way. Uh, your programming in your brain, the way you're wired, it's going to insist that you experience anxiety, tension, worry. Mm. Then you're going to expend a ton of energy coping with these negative emotions by expending even more energy trying to rearrange the world and people uh, uh, you know, to, to um, meet the demands that, that your programming says that have to be met. And so, you know, sometimes they get met if you're great, you get granted a, a measure of precarious peace, but it's precarious, you know, mm. it, any moment, some trifle, you know, a plane delay, a traffic jam, a smartphone that doesn't work, an email you've been expecting that doesn't arrive, a spot on your tie or blouse, you know, you name it. We, we just knee jerk. We just throw ourselves knee jerk or our brain throws ourselves knee jerk um, into an upset you know, because we're out of conformity with what our programming says the way things should be. And it becomes a way of life. It's a pathetic <laughs> We don't know any better. We don't. Right. We're programmed. We're not, we're, we're not human beings at that point. Uh, we're automatons. And it's mm. a pathetic existence that's constantly mm. at the mercy of things and people as we desperately try to make life conform to these demands that have been programmed into us. So that, you know, you can enjoy the only peace that most of people ever know, which is a temporary respite from negative emotions. And so the wake up is when you, when you see that, when a human being sees that, uh, it produces in them a sea change. It's inevitable that it will produce in them a sea change. They'll understand they've been hoodwinked. They understand. And the other part of the programming is, is that when, when you're living this pathetic existence, you've also been programmed to blame yourself for it. Oh, look at me. It's, I'm, I'm the one who's pathetic. And so, which only, only deepens the, the wiring that triggers the negative emotional reactions to yourself and to the world around you. But when you see that, when you wake up to this, a sea change will happen in you. And so the question then becomes, well, how do you get deprogrammed? How do you get your brain uh, rewired from all of, all of that? And your brain will rewire. And the answer to it is, is awareness, the kind of awareness that, that I was describing in, in, in my own personal story. And because, you know, what you, what you understand through awareness as you begin to practice it, 
every day, throughout the day, with every everything that everything that comes up in inside you emotionally, you know, negative thoughts, all of that. You begin to understand that what you're aware of, you control. What you're unaware of controls you. That's mm. that turn that what you're unaware of is your autopilot. It's just running the show, running your life. It's your brain using you. It's a programming using you, not you using your brain. So it's enough. The the wonderful news and stop fixing yourself. And in Tony uh, and Anthony DeMello's book, Awareness, is that it's enough for you to simply be watchful and aware. And through that, all that's neurotic within you will begin <laughs> to to drop. And, and and you'll wake up. And there's only there's only three steps that you really need to. Um, focus on. And the first thing you need to do is get in touch with your negative feelings. We tend to push them away, suppress them, or react from them. And then we have the negative emotion of guilt that gets mm. added on to, to, the, to the attack or the, or the defensiveness that we just display. And as those feelings come up, let them come up. You know, hurt feelings, feeling nervous, tense, stressed, but you don't have to react. You just notice it in yourself. Right. It's not that you have to go fly off the handle because you've been repressing all your anger in the workplace. And now you can run down the halls and start uh, start whomping on people and being your authentic self. It's more um, just taking notice of things that are uh, triggering you, as they say, and then uh, sitting with it, I guess you're suggesting. I want to tell you about wildhealth.com. They're an online provider of comprehensive precision medicine and health consultation services. They offer DNA analysis, custom lab panels, extensive medical intake form with family history and lifestyle preferences, and regular online visits with a board-certified precision medicine physician and a health coach whom you can message anytime through their convenient app. Wild Health evaluates your data to determine what you need for nutrition, exercise, sleep, and supplements. And you can experiment, consult, and retest to get everything dialed in. You'll get a cutting-edge epigenetic test of DNA methylation to calculate your all-important biological age and have fun lowering your age over time instead of following the mainstream path to accelerated aging. It's time to strive for awesome instead of just normal. Did you realize that only 6.8% of Americans are deemed metabolically healthy and only 2% are declared optimal? That's disgraceful, but you can turn things around quickly. Please visit wildhealth.com and you will see that this is the absolute gold standard of personalized medicine and it's available to you right now. Telemedicine available anywhere in the USA. Wild Health is generously extending BRAD podcast listeners 20% off the cost of membership. Just visit wildhealth.com slash Brad or use the code BRAD20 at checkout to get 20% off and start taking control of your health today at wildhealth.com slash Brad. I'm so excited to introduce you to Paluva. This is a new 
Zero Drop Minimalist Shoe with the distinctive five-toe design from my main man, Mark Sisson. Paluvas give you the most authentic barefoot style experience, but with sufficient cushioning so you can use them for all manner of daily movement, especially walking and many other fitness and athletic activities. Paluvas are also incredibly stylish, so you get a barefoot shoe that you're not embarrassed to wear around in daily life. It's been so cool to see the popularity of minimalist shoes grow over the recent years, but Paluvas are a step ahead of every other zero-drop wide-box shoe because of the critical feature of individual five-toe articulation, a separate slot for each of your toes. This allows for correct dynamic movement of the foot through the walking or running stride, which is impossible when your toes are encased into a single box, even a wide box. Well, you might know that minimalist shoes have faced controversy in recent years for causing injuries from inappropriate use. So here is the big picture mission. We want to get you walking in paluvas, living in your paluvas, going barefoot in your home or other safe areas as often as possible. Go ahead and use your specialized cushiony running shoes or your basketball shoes, work boots, high heels, things that you want to wear when you want to wear them, but wear your Paluvas as much as possible to reawaken the natural functionality of the human foot to stand, walk, run, and perform. Do you want to try a pair? I'm certain that when you put them on and walk around, you are going to quickly realize that these are the most comfortable, natural shoes that you've ever worn. They are designed to feel like you're, quote, walking barefoot on a putting green. Please visit paluva.com, that's P-E-L-U-V-A, and use the code BRADPODCAST and get 10% off your first pair. Paluvas, let your feet be feet. Yes, embracing it. Being and so it. embracing it, um, it, doesn't, it doesn't have to be uh, pretend that it's good news. You were embracing your imminent surgery, which you're, you were a matter of life and death, but you were embracing your situation uh, rather than, I guess, uh, putting up a false positive or, um, you know, refusing to think about, uh, you know, the, the crises that were, were happening in your life. I was embracing um, the situation inside me uh, and not the situation outside me. And the, the situ- I, I was recognizing that the pain, the suffering I was experiencing was was in me, not not happening to me, happening in me. So I felt shame, you know. I built my career up to this point where I lost the job, and now my family was at risk. So I felt ashamed of myself. I felt I had failed horribly, you know. I felt afraid, afraid of the future. Hmm. Um, I felt angry at God, you know. I I felt all of those things, and and um and then they would all converge into this overwhelming upset that was paralyzing. You know, fight, flight, or freeze, I would completely freeze. Um, And so uh, what I did is, what I allowed into awareness was what was my emotional state. Like this simple example of it is this morning, I grew up um, in a, a family with a really brutal stepfather, very physically and, and emotionally abusive to the nth degree. And so um, 
I have this, I, what, he programmed into me a sense of dread. Mm. And uh, one of the things about your emotional memory is that once something gets programmed into your emotional memory, um, it's, it's probably there for the duration. And what you can do is weaken it so you get the choice. And so yeah, that's what post-traumatic stress is, is that there's an emotional memory that some, uh, some outside thing, a sound or the way somebody looks at you or whatever, that triggers that emotional memory. And it, it, it triggers it in a way with such a force that it, you, you actually believe you're in that situation where you're threatened. That's what post-traumatic stress is. Well, that's happening in us all the time. And so I wake up in the morning. I've been programmed to, for this feeling of dread because my stepfather told me that, you know, eventually I was going to, you know, screw my life up and the world was going to come and it was going to crush me, mm. Cru crush, you know, a little creep like you. Mm. And that got programmed into me. It got programmed and it got stamped with the, the hormone cortisol so that, um, you know, evolution thinking that it was by doing that, it was helping to save me from the world crushing me. And actually, the thing that was crushing me was that, was that thought, that belief that it calcified into what I thought was real and true. And so this morning, for example, I woke up, you know, here's a person that, that has all this understanding of how we've been programmed. Here's a person who under, has a, all this understanding about how the brain works. And, and so I wake up this morning and the first thought I have, which is I've had most every morning I wake up is, oh God, another day. And I, because of awareness, because I've made awareness such a feature in, in my consciousness, I, I, I caught it. Oh, there it is again. And I felt it. I felt the dread, the gloominess, the, the demotivation of it, you know? And, and I just sat with it for maybe three seconds and it shifted. It, you know, it, it, it passed. I let it come up. I recognized that this is just old programming and it shifted out. Uh, and, and then I opened my eyes from that. And I looked out at this beautiful day and I said, that's what I'm going for. I'm going for a beautiful day today. To hell with the way I got, to hell with those neuro circuits that are holding on to that false belief. Um, and that's, you know, I've come to think of enlightenment as being that, is enlightenment being that um, you've worked at, you've worked at, at ways of becoming aware so that you can wake up in, in a way that the moment an experience arises that you don't want, you, you can shift out of it really at the point of inception and so that it doesn't drag you down well you know if you go back 30 years ago um i would wake up in the morning that feeling of dread dread would hit me it was connected to my traumatic past and um it would carry through the whole day the whole week the whole month and until i finally got a breakover that got me to look at it you know i mean it was a it was a feature of my life you know, so what I'm saying is it doesn't have to be. But what you're embracing is what's going on in you. And, 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 under, and even if you're judging it, say, for example, you're feeling fearful. And now you're judging yourself for, oh, I shouldn't feel fearful. I should be more enlightened. Or, you know, I should be more courageous. And now you're feeling the gloom of, of shame. 
coming down on you, then you embrace that. And you just be with it. And you might notice certain thoughts that you think that trigger it. And you just let them be there. And you and you really work towards a non-judgmental way of being aware of the content and reactivity that's that you're habituating that got programmed into you. Just be aware of it. And the second step, and this is a really important step, um, is to t- remind yourself is that this negative feeling and this negative way of relating to myself and to the world, it's in me. It's, pro- it's in my programming. It's not in reality. Um, reality's fine. Reality's neutral. You know, it's sort of as simple as that if you're going to have, if you have a picnic, like we had this big picnic we planned uh, with my family reunion last week. And, you know, everybody put everything together for it. And we got to the to the park and it rained, you know. And I noticed my first reaction was, God darn rain, you know, <laughs> blame the, well, the rain. The rain, of course, the rain was was keeping us from having our fun. The rain wasn't to blame. The rain, for my upset, the rain was just the rain. The rain is neutral. I'm superimposing my reaction on it. You know, yeah, and so I mean, that's nice that if it's a rainy picnic. And I'm wondering when you're going to Bosnia and seeing the atrocities of war, how do these concepts play out with those people that are in severe PTSD? Or, I mean, I think your credibility is is outstanding because you start out the show talking about you're facing a brain tumor and, and your life falling apart. And so this is not a trivial matter, people. And I think it's really important to emphasize that you have to, I mean, we're obligated to, uh, you know, implement these techniques in the face of everything, even the most, you know, I- incredibly difficult of circumstances. And I think this is where um, the naysayers are, 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 you know, raising their voice the loudest. And we have to kind of get over that hump to say, look, um, it's still, you know, it's still your perception of, of what's going on, even though it could be widely regarded as absolutely awful. Uh, but it, th- then you're, you're stuck with, you know, how you're going to how are you going to deal with it? It's here. You can't change it. Yeah. Well, you know, Victor Franco said when you, uh, he, he, he was an Auschwitz. Doesn't get worse than that. And he said, when you find yourself um, in a situation, you can't change the challenge is to change yourself. And he said that uh, the last of human freedom is to choose your own way in any given situation to choose your own attitude. And when I got to um, Croatia, uh, we went to the UN, the UN, uh, UNHCR, it was refu- the, the part of the UN is in charge of refugees. And we had to connect with them because we were going to do our workshop on this spirituality called attitudinal healing. And um, I, re- I remember this woman really well. It was interesting, too, because when I got home, she was actually on a a national television commercial uh, trying seeking funds, you know, and she seemed so sweet on that commercial. But when I went to, to visit with her and, and get her, get her uh, to join forces with me, she, she, she was uh, kind of insulting and I understood it. And she said, you know, you people who come here from California, you know, <laughs> Sunny California. Yeah. You hippie stuff and you come here and then these people they, they've lost everything, you know, right down to families. They've lost their whole families. They've lost everything they've built up in their life. They have nothing. 
They have no future. Uh, they have no roof over their head other than what, what the refugee camps give them. What they need is a roof over their head. What they need is a few dollars in their pockets. What they need is blankets and a, a warm place to sleep. They don't need some California workshop. Mm. And um, so I left there actually really discouraged, I thought. And I, I was a little worried, like I, I felt silly, you know. Well, am I? Am I? What, what is this I came here to do or what the Clinton administration had sent us here to do? Is it silly? And I just assumed that nobody would come to this workshop. And so it was the next day. And it was, a, it was in this lovely building in, um, in the square. And, uh, you know, I took the, the cab, me and the team I was with, we took the cab to the, to the hall. And there was this, uh, it was a Friday night, so there was this big crowd out in, out in front in the square. And I had to push my way through it. And when I got to the door, I, I said to the guy, uh, what, what are all these people doing here? And he laughed and he said, they're, they're here to hear you. <laughs> and I went from being afraid to nobody being there to being afraid of what am I going to do with all these people? You know, are they, what if they, re, what if they jump on me? But of course I got over that. Well, you know, the, the hall was jam packed and there was this one woman, she was, she, um, she was, she stood for everybody that was in that hall and why everybody had come there. Her name was Irina and, and, and not Irina. Her name was Luby. Irina was a UN woman. And so Luby, I noticed her. She, she was hard not to notice. She came in and she sat in a uh, chair all the way at the edge of the row. Cause I'm sure she wanted to, you know, make a quick exit if she wanted to. And she was wearing all black, black scarf, you know, pulled tight. She's wearing sunglasses um, and arms folded and just listened, sat there. And I was sure during the, the lunch break, she wasn't coming back. There she was. And but when she came back from the lunch break, a scarf was off her head. And it was a, it was a five day workshop. And on the each day she came in, she was the, the some one of the black garments she was wearing. She wasn't wearing. She was wearing something else. Uh, she was. It was almost as if she was dressing down in a certain sort of way, in a spiritual kind of way. Mm. And on the last day she came in, she was in just a lovely colored outfit. And she stood up and she said, she, she, um, what happened to her was she was living in Vuk Vukovar, which is where the war opened up. And it was really brutal what people went through. And her, her own mother-in-law betrayed her turned her into the Serbs and they nearly escaped um, and her heart was broken. And she said, I thought because of what had happened, that my heart would stay closed the rest of my life, that I would never trust anything, any person or any situation to love again. And this workshop has reminded me, has helped me open up my heart. And all the workshop was about it. Many of the things you and I are talking about here um, that, but, but she, she had the awareness, she, she had the desire to open her heart again, even though, you know, she had a strong naysayer in her that was telling her what she had been through was unhealable, was unforgivable. And uh, she discovered that uh, her heart could open, that she could feel happy again. 
And she said the, the second to the last day of the workshop, she went home and it was the first time in months that she actually enjoyed being with her family and wasn't afraid for them and drew them in close to her. And everybody was, you know, she said we were having dinner and everybody was laughing again. Uh, and uh, that's, that's a human being. That's what a human being is capable of. Mm. Um, you know, the, you don't control what's going to happen to you in this world. Um, and, you know, it's often the case that what you may think of that happened to you was the worst curse that could ever have happened to you. And, and then through time, you begin to discover it was the greatest blessing that ever happened to you. That's, a true, that's true of my brain tumor. And that's what, what Luby said. Luby went, uh, went on to become a really wonderful teacher and therapist to people. Um, she, had, she, she, she just found there was so much more to her to give. And it's not that I would go back and have a, a brain tumor again, or she would go back and be in the middle of a war zone. Um, nobody, nobody would do that. But we are, we have this capacity. We're kind of ambidextrous. We have this capacity to hold the horror and the harm along with the love and the forgiveness mm. at the same time. And then when we're there and, and in, that, in that quiet place of awareness, um, we're at choice. We can choose which mm. one we lean to, lean towards. And that what we choose determines the quality of the life we live and experience. <coughs> love and it. the third and step in the, the awareness step. is yeah. not to identify with the negative feeling. Uh-huh. <coughs> don't identify with it. You know, DeMello goes as far as to say, don't say, I am depressed. Your brain takes that literally. Your brain's very literal. So you say, I am depressed. Your brain says, okay, let's uh, run the depression algorithm right now. Right. Stress hormones, exhausting, fatiguing, uh, literally reducing your energy, your concentration, focus, mood. Sure. And how many times have you said, this is horrible? And your brain goes, oh my God, it's horrible. Your brain can't tell the difference. The, the part of your brain, the amygdala, the limbic system, where fight, flight, or freeze reactions are generated, where fear is generated, it cannot tell the difference between a real and present danger and one you made up in your head. It considers them both threats. So, and the vast majority of, of threats, of fear, we, fear we experience because of a misperceived threat um, uh, is triggering the triggers of stress. Oh, I'm saying that wrong. The, the, the misperception of threat it generates most of the stress reactions we experience. That's Oof. what I'm trying to say. Yeah, that's rough. I mean, I, I remember I'm, I'm thinking of uh, your account of this being dreading this brain surgery and, and feeling so negative. And um, one of our books, Primal Prescription, Dr. Doug McGuff was writing about how the research on uh, women that receive a false positive with breast cancer screening. And over the ensuing six months, the negative health aspects are the same as someone who actually is diagnosed positive. In other words, because they're told mistakenly that they have breast cancer, they're so filled of stress, anger, uh, fear, that the, the the literal physical effect of the diagnosis is um, is 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 major and um i think he was making an argument against uh, unnecessary screenings because of that risk of getting a false positive and and trashing your your stress hormones and your and your mindset yeah 
you know, it, it, uh, I mean, if a doctor wants to, uh, decides that you, you need some kind of screening, it's good to, to get it. But one of the recommendations I would have with people who go to get it because they're, they're, they're worried well is to stop, step back for a moment and embrace your fear of dying. Embracing the fear of dying is, is a profound thing to do. And to come, as you embrace it, to come through it um, and to accept it. And what you find is you become enlivened. You know, you, the, the, this moment, now you appreciate it so much more. You know, you don't want to waste it. You know, the, the, I, it's one of the things I discovered in working at the Center for Attitudinal Healing was people would say, if I had to go back and be the person I was before I woke up, Mm. For, in the ways that this cancer has awakened me, if I had to go back and be that frightened, uh, aggressive, competitive, unhappy person, and and my reward for going back and being that is that I wouldn't have the cancer. Uh, they, I so many people say I wouldn't do it. <sighs> I because because what I was the living dead before. I'm alive now. I'm awake now. This cancer. Has, has has woken me up so you know it doesn't mean that you <laughs> you go out seeking for mm. for difficulty um but you you awareness will bring you in you know if, if if you're worried about someday maybe i'm going to get breast cancer so you're going to run off and you're going to get a big screening before you do that embrace your fear of death mm. take that test first mm. and Find yourself a book. Pick up the the uh, the Tibetan Book of the Dead, or or listen to Ram Das. He's he's wonderful about death and dying, um, and you'll uh, and and come through it. it you, you'll awaken. What will awaken in you is a feeling, a vibrant feeling for life mm. that you didn't have before, an appreciation. You know, remember what Demello is saying is that. Um, the only reason you're ever unhappy is because you're focused on what you don't have. Mm. And so what, what you, when you go through, when you really embrace dying, that we all die, that everybody that you know is going to die, that you're going to die, everyone that you love is going to die. Um, and people, people are just say, oh, what a depressing thought. Um, I say, oh, believe me, it's an enlightening thing to embrace because as you come through it, you really come to appreciation for every moment you have with those people you love, every moment that you take in a breath, every day there's a sunset that you you stop to enjoy, or a rose you stop to smell, or a child you took a delight in. You you know you don't let life rush by you as you rush to the thing that you think so important and miss the thing the things that are really important in life. And so, you know, so what the Mel is telling us is that don't program yourself by saying, I am depressed. I am ashamed. I am afraid. You can say, look, it, fear is there right now. Mm. My, my experience right now is one of a fear. Mm. And to separate yourself from it, almost look at it as if you were looking at another person. Right. Deepak um, Chopra says you're the observer of your thoughts. Yes. You're the silent observer of your own thoughts. As, exactly. 
And I recommend to people, imagine you're observing your best friend because you're usually not very judgmental. You're much more empathic with your best friend when they're having a negative reaction, right? So if I'm looking, but at the same time, you are that observer, you're standing, you know, the Zen Buddhist calls it stepping back, stepping back from the ordeal that your mind is making, making up as you step back and you, and you look on it at the same time, you have to allow yourself to feel it, to be in the ordeal at the same time mm. you're stepping back from it and it will enlighten you. So that's, that's an important step, you know, be in touch with your feelings. Don't repress them anymore. Don't mm. push them away. Don't try to turn them. Don't interfere with them at all. Let them come up. Feel right. Don't, uh, don't false positive them away either. Um, right. Being eternally positive is a, is a defense mechanism that's, it, it's, it's, it may be better than being a constant grouch, but it's still not uh, achieving the objective you just verbalized. Oftentimes people, when they're running positive affirmations, if they, if they would look at it a little deeper, they would notice there's, their, their positive af- affirmation is, is fear of, of their negative reaction. <laughs> <laughs> and and so you drop in you drop okay let's get let's then let's go to that level that's where that's where the where my suffering's coming from let's drop to that level let's stop fooling around here and then so so you allow yourself to feel that you remind yourself this is happening in me uh it's not happening to me it's not happening in reality it's happening in mm-hmm. me and mm-hmm. the, and I'm not to blame for it i've been programmed for it but now it's for me to embrace it so I can move through it. Don't judge, don't judge it. And if you do judge it, bring that and embrace that. Embrace the way you judge yourself. Don't identify with that negative emotion. You are not your emotions. You are far greater than your emotions. It's like if you, your negative emotions are like a bucket full of black paint, you throw up into the air, you know? And for a moment, as that black paint passes before your eyes, everything looks black. And then, boom, it comes to the ground. In no way does it contaminate the blue sky. And so you're the blue sky. That's mm-hmm. what you really are. That's what you're not seeing. That's what you've lost touch with. You're that wide open blue sky. And being here on Earth, there are going to be dark clouds that come and go to pass over it. But they pass. when you. And then what comes out? Behind it is the sun and it's the blue sky. That's who you are. So don't make the mistake of identifying with your emotions. And then last, but not least, is remind yourself that this upset will pass. As I sit here with it, what it will eventually do is pass. That's when you learn that fear is an illusion because eventually it goes puff. And then when it does that, when it passes, then all you really need to do is relax into it. Just simply relax into this the space that just opened up, that just cleared. You know, and think of yourself as you, you just came up for air and relax into that. And what you will notice is that what arises with you is a feeling of contentment, a feeling of joy. Uh, you, you might feel a tingling in your heart. That means your heart is beginning to open. And just be with that. You do that every day, mm. and it, it's not a th- it's not a to do list thing. It's a to be list awareness <laughs> to be aware in that way every day. You'll discover so much about yourself, 
And what, what the wonderful line from DeMello is, is that awareness will re release reality, the reality of you as a blue sky, the reality of a divinity within you and around you there to make your experience of life wonderful. Uh, what th that, that's what, what, what will begin to emerge for you in your life. Awareness will release that. Awareness releases reality to change you. And it's not changing you into something. It's changing you back into what you are. That's what it's Ooh. about. Don Goey, killing it today. Fantastic. <laughs> I'm feeling that, that tingling right now. What a fantastic show. Um, so your, your book, The End of Stress, Four Steps to Rewire Your Brain, I'm I'm assuming those are the four steps you just talked through and some, some great uh, techniques there to, to, to develop this as a skill. Yes. Yeah, great. it's about that. And at the core of that book, The End of Stress, at the core of ending stress itself it, it's, is awareness, becoming mm -hmm. aware of what's going on within you. And there's ways in that book to confront the, the shame. You know, 80% of it's mm -hmm. shame-based. Brene Brown's work. 80% of what? 80% of us oh, are shame-based in the oh, world. Oh, boy. And yeah. that's, uh, and you know, we, we, there's a false belief behind shame, too. We seem to think if you shame people, uh, you'll help them to change a negative mm. behavior. There's not a shred of research. There's not a shred of evidence in the research that shows that at all. They show, it shows it quite the re reverse. All you do is reinforce the shame-based way of living. And none <laughs> of this, one last thing I'd like to say here is that uh, this is really important for people to get. None of what DeMello is talking about, none of what the mystics that we've referred to here are talking about is about renouncing the material mm. world. You know, it, it's about, it, one uses the material world, you know, one enjoys the material world, but one doesn't make one's happiness depend on the mm -hmm. material world. That's the difference. And the irony is, is that when you're, detached from the material world, when you're looking at that list of I cannot be happy until this and this and this, but you detach from it. It's not running the show. It's not running your show anymore. Um, you actually begin to enjoy your success even more, mm. to enjoy the process of, of, of achieving your goals even more. Um, then when you believe your self-worth and peace and happiness entirely depend on the outcome of all of that. So, you know, it's, if you succeed, great. If you fail, well, there was something in that failure that was, was a good teacher to me. Um, but in either case, your happiness and self-worth are not at stake. Mm -hmm. And that's living the good life. That's fulfillment. That's waking up. And, and if you've been programmed like me for dread, that's waking up and in the matter of 30 seconds and less or less moving through it and, and seeing the bright sunny day and feeling the, the beauty of, of, of this divine divinity, whatever, this mystery that created us, surrounding us, loving us, supporting us, directing us, feeling that. But that's so important to get. It's not about renouncing the material uh -huh. world. It's about keeping the material world, turning the material world into something you pursue so hotly that you're constantly stressed. Right. And when you release your shame, you give yourself permission to enjoy it rather than having this constant negative voice, whether you 
are abundant or or scarce, you know, everything's a source of stress can can really become a source of stress. Even people who are very wealthy and have tremendous abundance are are telling a story the whole time that's you know not the intended purpose of uh, enjoying these experiences and possessions. Yes, the most perfect perfect uh, image. I've ever heard of for for attachment, for how attached we become to getting this person, getting this job, living in this neighborhood, attached to this material wealth, attached to having these outcomes. All of this is uh, this metaphor of someone gobbling up food, someone in a concentration camp, you know, gob, they get a piece of bread. Mm. So with one hand, they bring the bread to their mouth. With the other hand, they're protecting it from their neighbor will grab it from them the moment they lower their guard you know that's that's what that's the suffering that attachment brings to you mm. that's that's the pathetic life that we're living when we're living out of the thinking of our attachments as the path that leads to our fulfillment and our happiness um it's quite the opposite i mean how many times have you succeeded at something and the very first reaction you have is that well how am I going to keep succeeding? Or when you get something, or what if I lose it? You know, we, we have these sort of knee-jerk reactions that, that we have, and they're all fear-based in that kind of way. Well, when you, when you drop your attachments, and, and by that I mean they know your these things we call attachment uh, no longer have anything to do with your happiness, that, that you take charge of your happiness. You choose to be happy exactly as you are exactly as your situation is you allow it emerge in you and the only way you will allow it to emerge in you is through by being aware of the ways in which you undermine it um, and then that's all you got to do it'll take care of itself and as you do that um, you, you'll be living the life you you always dreamed of living don goey what a close i love it uh, we can follow you at the DeMello Center with the social media and website and things. Yeah, so if you go to uh, DeMelloCenter.com, um, you'll, you'll get hooked up to all. We do a lot of stuff on social media, a lot of great stuff, a lot of video clips from Anthony DeMello. You can get the book, Stop Fixing Yourself or Awareness uh, at um, Amazon. It's been out long enough. Stop Fixing Yourself just came out last year, but it's been out long enough where they're beginning to lower the price. So. Now's a good time to grab it. All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thank you, Don. Da, 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 da. It's a masterpiece. It's a masterpiece. Hey, this is going to be one of my favorite commercials because I get to introduce you to the delicious, nutritious, life-changing Brad's Macadamia Masterpiece. This is a mind-blowing nut butter blend that will soon ascend to your number one go-to snack, treat, or accoutrement for anything from dark chocolate, a cucumber celery smear, or mixed in with yogurt, oatmeal, cheesecake, or with a spoon right into your mouth, heading south. Let me, let me, let me tell you what I created in my kitchen through whirlwind experimentation and 
and extreme sampling to my VIP product testing crew across the nation so far with 100% approval. In this beautiful jar, we have macadamia nuts, walnuts, cashews, the rare and precious coconut butter, coconut flakes, cacao nibs, real ancient sea salt, and organic MCT oil. Every single ingredient has been sourced to origin to be the very best we could find from around the world for the absolute highest purity and nutritional value. We run this product in small batches with a boutique family business in the Pacific Northwest, and everything is cold-pressed to preserve nutritional value. So if you like eating healthy, it's a dream come true for all those who are keto, primal, paleo, and vegan vegetarian too. I come in peace, my global healthy living friends. Masterpiece, that is. Try some now, and it will change your life. I promise. If you don't like it, send it back to me. I'll eat it. You can order Brad's Macadamia Masterpiece on Amazon. Simple, simple. Or if you're bold, daring, and adventurous, buy three and get a bottle free at bradventures.com. Buy six and we'll send you eight. Christmas shopping early instead of late at bradventures.com. Check it out. Brad's Macadamia Masterpiece. Uh. Thank you for listening to the show. I love sharing the experience with you and greatly appreciate your support. Please email podcast at bradventures.com with feedback, suggestions, and questions for the Q&A shows. Subscribe to our email list at bradkearns.com for a weekly blast about the published episodes and a wonderful bi-monthly newsletter edition with informative articles and practical tips for all aspects of healthy living. You can also download several awesome free ebooks when you subscribe to the email list. And if you could go to the trouble to leave a five or five star review with Apple Podcasts or wherever else you listen to the shows, that would be super incredibly awesome. It helps raise the profile of the BRAD podcast and attract new listeners. And did you know that you can share a show with a friend or loved one by just hitting a few buttons in your player and firing off a text message? My awesome podcast player called Overcast allows you to actually record a soundbite excerpt from the episode you're listening to and fire it off with a quick text message. Thank you so much for spreading the word. And remember, be rad.